We're continuing on in our Goodness of the Gospel series. We're going through the book of Mark. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles or your phones to Mark chapter 1. I love the story of Steve Rogers, fictional story portrayed in the movies, the Marvel movies, Captain America. And here's why I love it. He's this tiny guy, this, this physically weak guy, but he's got a big heart. And he wants to defend the defenseless. He so wants to live for a bigger cause. He wants to fight for our country. But he just continually gets beaten down. He continually gets whipped until he's brought in to a, a secret mission. And in this secret mission, they've chosen him to inject this serum into, which infuses him with power to live a supernatural life. And once he has that power, he's able to defend the defenseless. He's able to go on a rescue mission and bring back tons of captives. And ultimately, he's able to be a champion for the cause of good. And I think so many Christians can relate to him. You know, we so want to be used. We so want to do the right thing. We so want to help people in need. But time and time again, we feel too weak, too small, too insignificant, and too beat down by the enemy. And so that's why I love this topic we're talking about today as we move to the second part of Mark chapter 1 as I preach on the title, A Gospel of Power. A gospel of power. If you're taking notes today, write that down, a gospel of power. Because you see, many people have heard the gospel, but I believe, especially in our nation, few are realizing its actual power for your life. And so that's what I love about this verse in Mark 1. If you turn with me to Mark 1, 9, it says this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my son, whom I loved. With you, I am well pleased. You know, the first act of obedience when a person gives their life to Jesus is to get baptized to actually go into the waters where you show your old life is being buried and your new life is coming out raised to walk with Jesus. But what we're talking about today is not just that water baptism, although that's important. If you've given your life to Jesus and never been baptized, I encourage you to do that first. You don't need to wait. You don't need to take a class. People in the Bible, they gave their life to Jesus. They were immediately baptized, and anyone can baptize you. It wasn't just pastors. So you can get baptized today down in the ocean. Get someone to take you down there. But here's what you see next is right after that, the heavens are torn open. That Greek word is schizo, which is where we get the word schism. It means to actually rend or to sever or to tear. Let me just pause for a moment. Do you believe in another realm? Like, is this world as you see it, is it all there is? You know, alluding back to the Marvel movies You'll see these moments where the heavens are opening up. There's like a portal, and people are pouring in from a completely different realm. Can I tell you, actually, there are different realms. 
And so in the Bible, the heavens, it says, are rent open. They actually look up. They see the heavens rent open, and the Holy Spirit is descending. And it doesn't say as a dove. It says like a dove. That was just the closest thing they could relate it to. And this Holy Spirit comes down and lands upon Jesus. This is so important for you to grasp, church, because so many people, they, they don't think that they could see the things that Jesus says that you will, according to the Bible, because they just put Jesus in the, well, he's just God walking around on earth. Yes, Jesus was God walking on earth, but what we learn is he was fully God and fully man. He was fully God and fully man. So in Philippians chapter 2, it actually says that he emptied himself. So this is why Jesus does not begin his miraculous ministry until he turns 30. Why? Because he needed to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a gospel of power, and this is something I missed growing up in the church. It's something that much of the church is devoid of, and therefore we see a bunch of powerless Christians. But God has power for you. This is a gospel of power. This is what Jesus says in Acts 1, 4 through 5. I'm kind of cheating because I'm moving from the Gospels. I'm going to go to the end of the Gospels, to the next book, which is the book of Acts. After Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected, he comes back to his disciples, and he says this to them. He says, on one occasion while he was sitting with them, eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Say promise, church. Now, this is actually a promise for you, which you have heard me speaking about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be, you will be with thee, with thee. So do you understand? Some people think, oh, there's just this one baptism. It's a baptism of water. Jesus says, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then watch, he goes on to explain in Acts 1.8. He says this, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Do you know that God has called you to live a life of power? He's called you not to live as Steve Rogers. He's called you to live like Captain America. There is a baptism of power. It will change your life. So let's dive into here because what we're going to see in Mark chapter 1 is what happens after this baptism of power comes upon Jesus. Verse 12 is where we find ourselves. It says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. So Jesus comes out, out of the water. The heavens are rent. The Holy Spirit comes down. And immediately we see something. The Holy Spirit sent him. So many Christians are living this life where they're just going through their motions just like anyone else, and every once in a while, just throwing up a prayer, God, would you bless me down here? God, I'm in trouble, would you bless me? No, the real Christian life is where the Holy Spirit actually sends us places. He actually communicates with us. He directs us. I didn't live this life until I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on me in a service. I felt his power. I experienced him and immediately got up and and he started leading me. It was crazy. I, I, I'll never forget. After that happened, we were praying, and I have this image in my mind of a woman in, in red. 
and I go out on the streets, and I see that person. I'm like, wait, how could God tell me something that was going to happen? It's happened numerous times to me since then. The reason we came to San Diego and moved from Texas to plant this church is because God spoke to us, moved to San Diego, California. And I embarrassingly always say, I didn't know where San Diego was in California. Didn't know if it was northern or like in the breadbasket by Bakersfield. Really excited once I found it was on the ocean and right next to Mexico and the best food ever. But God is directing us. You ask many of our different global workers, it's the, the reason they're in Bali, Indonesia, the reason they're in Stellenbosch, the reason Jeff's in Moldova. He, he grew up in Kentucky. He didn't even know there was a Moldova. But the Spirit started leading him. But it's not just that. He wants to lead you not just to, to different faraway nations. He wants to lead you in your everyday life. One of my friends He's a tech guy, and he'd help people set up their, their home tech systems, and he got totally stumped trying to help this one friend, and so he was frustrating. He's prayed, God, I don't know what to do. That night, he has a dream. In the dream, he sees that he had the wires crossed, and he needed to uncross these wires, hook them up this specific way. So he calls the guy back, says, can I come to your house, does exactly what he saw in the dream with the wires, and the, and the system worked. That's how God wants to lead you in your normal life. I, I, I remember um, when we lost Hudson's AirPod case. You remember that little case that we lost? We looked all over the house for it, couldn't find it anywhere. And I realized, oh, you know what? This is a great opportunity to, with the kids for them to see how God leads us. So we, we sit and we ask the Lord, where is that AirPod case? Lord, you know where it is. And I remember we, we have a... a, a, a a piece of property, and I saw the exact spot where it was on the piece of property. And so we walk over to it. It's not there. We start digging under the ground and pull it out right there. God wants to lead you by his Holy Spirit. I encourage you, when you're going to work, students, when you're going to school, I used to do this because this has happened to me in college. I started asking the Lord, God, what do you have for me today? Man, it makes ordinary days extraordinary days. When you start being led by the Lord at your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, and your family, God wants to lead you by his Holy Spirit. Now watch this next part. It says, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 4, you see all these temptations that are happening to Jesus. Jesus is fast for 40 days. He's super hungry. Satan comes and does the most classic temptation to Jesus. Hey, feed your flesh. Do what feels good. Have you heard people say that? Hey, if it feels good, do it, right? If, if, if you want, just do that. And so he says, turn these stones into bread. Jesus looks at Satan and says, hey, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. Then he does another temptation. This is so common to us. He says, throw yourself down, and, and God's not going to even let you get hurt. He was basically giving him the temptation of power, right? We, everyone wants power. Now, you, you might think, well, I, you know, I, don't, I don't need to be the boss, or I don't need, but you want control of your life. You want control. We hate not being in control. But what, is, what does Jesus say to him? Hey, don't tempt the Lord your God. And then he gives him the, the, the greatest temptation, maybe, he takes him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, Jesus, I will make you the most Insta-famous person. You're gonna be the greatest Instagram influencer. You're gonna be the greatest celebrity. All He says, all the majesty of the nations will be yours. 
You'll lead every country in a moment. You're, you're, you're going to have more followers than anyone else. And what does Jesus say to him? He says this. He says, no, the Bible says worship the Lord and serve him only. There, can I tell you there will never be a person more tempted than Jesus? There will never be a person like the, our temptations for money, and sex, and power, there will never be someone more tempted than Jesus, and yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he had grace to say no to temptation. Church, this is why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, I grew up a Christian, but I struggled. And there are so many Christians living a, a, a non-victorious life, but you don't have to be there. God wants to give you power. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, power came in me. And I, man, I struggled with sexual sin. I, I was so frustrated. I hated it. I was like, why do I do what I don't want to do? I was so convicted. I knew I shouldn't do it. But the power of the Holy Spirit came on me. And I, I started asking the Lord, I can't get free, but you can set me free. I started praying, would you supernaturally give me a disgust sin, because I couldn't get free. I, I wasn't strong enough to say no. You know, he started making me nauseated over sin. Only God can do that. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you, I have friends in here, they have, they have seen alcoholism and, and drug addiction broken. Back here in the middle row, wave your hand, Helenka. I asked her if I could share this. We were talking last week. She goes, Robert, you know I was a drug addict, didn't you? I'm like, what? You were a drug addict? You're like Auntie Helenka that's always just praying for people and, and just smiling and loving on people. She goes, no, I was a meth addict and a cocaine addict. Wow. And she said, I, I, I bottomed out in my first marriage and I had to be taken in to my mom's house and then someone invited me to church and I met Jesus. And you get around this woman and she is just a woman of love. She's free, and she's, she's helping other people. Actually, her story's so good, I'll come back in another point and use it again. So, but God can break your chains. You need to be free from the temptations of the world and pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he wants to give you power. One of my friends, her name is Jackie Pollinger. She worked in the walled city in Hong Kong where it was full of drug addicts. It was full of, of prostitutes and gang leaders, and she saw thou literally thousands of people set free. How? Because she would introduce them to Jesus and say, we're gonna get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they'd lay hands on them, power would come on them, and they would detox from heroin through the power of the Holy Spirit. God can do it from you. He can break your pornography addiction. He can break your eating addiction. He can break your strongholds in your mind. He wants to set you free. Amen? Watch this next part. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Here's the next demarcation of a person baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak the word of God boldly. They speak the word of God boldly. I don't know what you think about, about preachers. Maybe you think they're born just bold. I, I, I tell you, I wasn't a bold person. In fact, I cared so much about what my peers thought about me. Like, I was so 
insecure. I remember going off to college and I was so nervous about what I meet friends that, that at the end of the day, I'd just be sick and I'd be in the, in the restroom actually vomiting because I was so nervous. Like that's how much fear of man I had on me. I never wanted to say anything stupid. I just hated getting embarrassed. Can I tell you now, I love boldly talking about Jesus. I love standing up. I love preaching on the street actually now. It's not me though. It's the power of God. And it doesn't matter what your personality type is. One of my favorite people was this girl named Michelle Peach. She was five foot tall when she came to college. She was, she was the most uh, uh, just shy, quiet person. But the power of the Spirit came on her. And I'll never forget her standing in a park in Mexico and just preaching the gospel, just smiling and preaching the gospel. And 100 people came forward to give their lives to Jesus. It doesn't matter what your personality is. It doesn't matter what your temperament is. It doesn't matter if you're short or tall. It doesn't matter how strong your voice is. What matters is the power of the Holy Spirit coming on your life, and he will make you bold. I'll tell you, I have been afraid to share the gospel with people, but when the power of the Holy Spirit came on me, it makes me fierce as a lion. We need that in this generation. Have you noticed the world's getting crazier, people? Have you noticed that people are saying crazy things? Like, have you noticed how bold people are being with the wildest and most evil things? I was talking to my, one of my sons the other day. He was like, Dad, you would not believe the crazy outfits people are wearing to school. And I said, son, so it's time for us to get crazier about Jesus. Like, if the world's going to be this crazy about their sin and about saying the craziest things that just don't make any sense, why not get crazier about Jesus? I don't want the devil to out-crazy me. It is time for Christians to be bold, but you can't do it in your own flesh. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you. Cry, cry out. Students, you students that are here, ask the Lord to make you bold to share. Man, my life was transformed by a student at my university that just glowed with the power of God. She didn't have all the things going on that the world would say you need. She didn't have the cool car, the cool clothes, but she just glowed, and she talked about Jesus, and it changed my life forever. Teachers, speak boldly about the Lord. Medical professionals, when people are on their last leg, tell them about a loving Jesus who can transform their life. We need it in every sector of society. Do it in business. Do it in your neighborhoods. Do it in the parks. Share the gospel boldly and watch people's lives be transformed. The world's getting crazier. It's time for us to get even crazier. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You know, people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit make disciples. People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit make disciples. One of the reasons that the church in America has lost its power is we don't do the very thing that Jesus told us to do, to go into all nations and make disciples. What is making disciples? It's merely just meeting with someone a little younger in their faith than you. You might say, well, I've only been a believer for one month. Well, find someone who's been a believer for a week and teach them what's been given to you. You know, 
And it's not even about you teaching them to be like you. It's just you're just pointing them to Jesus. Just say, hey, come and pray with me. You know we need each other. We need each other. You weren't made to go it alone. This faith is not about going it alone. We, we walk together in community. And when people are spirit-filled, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the, the crazy thing is this happened to me, and all of a sudden I just started going, man, I, I, I need to help some young guys. And so as a college student, as a junior in college, I just started getting some freshman guys and saying, hey, I want to help you move forward in the Lord. And so all we do is just open the Bible and read a few verses and then pray together. But you know what? That consistency, that accountability helped those guys start changing. Not all of them. Some of them didn't make it, but some of them started getting more and more on fire for Jesus. I tell you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you so you can help others. And there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing someone's life transformed by Jesus. That is the joy of walking with the Lord. Mark 1.21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. I asked you if you believed in a different realm. Do you believe that there's a real Satan? Do you? Do you believe that there's really demons? Do you know that more than half of the church in America doesn't believe that? And you know what? That's why we're getting beat up. Because if you don't believe there's an enemy, then you're not prepared for his attack. But if this book is really true, which I'm banking my whole life on it, then there's a devil that hates you, and there are demons that want to destroy you. But can I tell you, Jesus has overcome them. Jesus has overcome. And, and it's a great tactic of the enemy for us not to believe in demons because then people don't, they just think something's wrong with them when they start hearing voices. And now, let me balance this. I totally believe in medical issues. We send people to counselors, to medical professionals. I completely believe in that. But I also want to say that I, we have discounted the work of demons in people's lives. In the demonic, of demons telling people to go kill a bunch of people, of demons telling people to kill themselves, of demons telling people they look horrible, so they're killing themselves through eating disorders, through self-cutting, mutilation. The demons are alive and well in America, and it's time for the church to kick them out of people. He's given you power to deliver people from the demonic, but it's time, church, to start believing in that and to start helping people know that they can be set free and that they're not crazy when they're hearing voices. It's an enemy that wants to destroy them. So I talk about this, and, and, and people will come up to me and go, yeah, pastor, that's right. Like, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, I felt this heaviness on my chest, and I was being choked, and I'm like, that's not you going crazy. That's a demon trying to destroy you, but Jesus wants to give you power to tell it to go. If you're being afflicted by demons, you start saying the name of Jesus. If you feel like you're being attacked in your mind, you start pleading the blood of Jesus. Say, I speak the blood of Jesus, the power of Jesus over my mind, and I tell every demonic thing to go. If one of your friends, they start being afflicted. I, man, I've seen people, they're speaking in different voices. They're doing things crazy with their body or crazy strength that they shouldn't be able to do. But guess what? God always wins. He has power to cast out demons. And so I've, I, I love, I've seen Helenka be used by this. So Helenka, the former drug addict, 
She also told me, oh, Robert, I wasn't just a drug addict. I was a drug dealer. I'm like, you are a drug dealer? You look like a, like a this sweet auntie of the church. Like, you're this sweet grandmother. But she's like, no, but God has changed my life. And I went and repented to all these people that, that I sold drugs to. And, and now, you know what? She's, she's being used to cast out demons, to bring in her healing. Uh, there are people in this church that were out of their mind that they have seen delivered and now are following and serving Jesus. I want to tell you, uh, come to one of our freedom days. Man, there, some of these addictions that you've dealt with, they're generational bondages on your family line. Let's pray and break off that off your family line. Some of you, the addictions you're stuck in, it's actually demonic oppression, and we can cast out those demons, and you can be set free. He is the God of deliverance, and people who are baptized in the Spirit are used to set people free. I'm about to get excited, church. Here's another great one. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Man, I've heard of a lot of people having fevers lately. What if people in the church were walking in the rooms, grabbing people's hands, and the fevers were fleeing in Jesus' name? Do you believe that Jesus can do that? Do you believe in the power of Jesus? Then an evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. I pray that every one of you has a situation or a time in your life where you get to see this. I've been in a couple of places where every single person that came to us was healed. Like, by God's grace. I prayed for a lot of people before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and nothing would happen. Like, I was like, why doesn't this stuff happen? Then the power of God came on me in this, uh, in this service in Mexico, and I prayed the exact same prayer. I just put my hand on someone and said, Lord, please heal this person. And all of a sudden, this hunchback, his back started snapping and popping, and he stood up straight for the first time in 20 years. His intestinal problem that he had suffered with for 20 years was healed, and he starts weeping, giving glory to God. Guys, since that time, by God's grace, we've seen deaf ears open and people start screaming. I've seen a mute person speak, and their first word was Jesus. I've seen blind eyes open back up, bones pop into place. Does every person that we pray for get healed? Absolutely not. Why? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, a lot more people get healed when we pray for them than when we don't. You'll never hit a home run if you don't swing for the fence. So let this be a church where we pray for the sick continually. I, I'll never forget a, a girl coming with cancer, us praying for her coming back the next week, eyes wide open. She had gone to the doctor and her cancer was healed. That is the power of Jesus. That's not us, that's Jesus. He purchased our healing on the cross, is what Isaiah 53 says. It says, by his stripes that we are healed. Psalm 103, that heals your diseases and sicknesses. Do not discount healing. When you do, you discount the gospel of power. It's time for the healing power of God to be restored to the church in America. We need it now desperately in our broken nation. We need it in our hurting and dying world. Be a person who contends for the healing power of God. Amen. We're going to do, let's, let's pray for that at the end of the service.
Last one. Last one. I love that, and this is my favorite. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, well, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. Here's my last point. People that are baptized in the Spirit love to be alone with God. I love Jesus. He's so different. Have you noticed that? Like, he just saw a healing revival. The whole town came to him. He is famous. The disciples were like, this is it, Jesus. You are insta-famous. You, like, this is your moment. You're a celebrity. And he, and, 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 but you left. You went off by yourself. And he's like, and yeah, let's get out of here where no one knows me. You're like, no, that's, that's, that's horrible for your, your followers and your likes. And, and, and like, that's not, that's not how you build your brand, Jesus. And he's like, no, I just want to go get alone with God. I just, I want to get up and leave all the crowds and the fans and the popularity because I love being with God. You know, if there's one dream I have for you in this church is that you would fall in love with God, that you would love to get alone with him. Like, I, I, since I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I started spending time with God. Let me, let me actually tell you, growing up in church, they told me to spend time with God. My youth pastor had this thing called the seven in heaven, and he was like, he challenged us youth to spend seven minutes with God a day, and I was like, I can't do it. Like I, three and a half minutes in the, in the Bible and three and a half minutes in prayer. And I was so ADD that I'm like, ah, I would just keep looking at my watch. I'm at four and a half minutes. I'm going to die. Now my greatest passion in life, like my greatest passion is to just be alone with him. Just I love being in the Bible and feasting on it and then just going on these long walks. And I want to tell you that one of my best times with the Lord has been this past week. Like, I love being with Jesus. He's so good. And some of you are like, but oh, I wish I felt that way, but I just don't. Then you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it takes God to love God. When, when he submerges you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden he starts transforming you and he changes your desires. And all of a sudden you start wanting him. That's why the scripture says, as deep calls unto deep, you go deep in his presence, you start calling out to the deep one. You need God to love God. So cry out to today. Just be honest with where you are. You're like, God, it's really boring to spend time with you. Just tell him that and say, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so your spirit comes on me and draws me to you because your flesh is too weak. Don't you remember the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus like, can you just pray with me for an hour? They just fell asleep over and over and over again. But you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you start hungering after him and your greatest delight becomes to be being alone with God. And I tell you, when that happens, you could lose your job, but you don't lose your peace because your peace is in the presence of God. 
You could lose your popularity, but you don't lose your peace and your joy because your peace and your joy comes from his presence, not your popularity. You could be having problems in your family, but you don't lose your peace and your joy and your contentment because your peace and your joy and contentment comes from being connected to him as he's the vine and you're the branch and you're just drawing life from him and everything can go wrong, but you're still in a place of unshakable steadiness because you're connected to the steady one. You need to be alone with God. So cry out for his power to come on you, to empower you to run into his presence. Amen. I hope you're hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're hungry to not just have a gospel that you hear with your ears, but a gospel you experience with your whole being because it changes everything. Would you stand up with me right now, church?